You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Thanks for joining us on the Locked On Hornets Podcast. It's Walker Mail. No Doug Branson today. He'll be joining us uh, again tomorrow, but have a lot to get to. have a lot on my mind. Mitch Kupchak's comments from yesterday said a lot of stuff about the direction of this franchise. Even referenced a few individual players, evaluates the way that James Brago has handled things. We'll get to that probably for two segments. The first two segments will be about Mitch Kupchak's comments. And then the third segment, we'll talk about a fantastic performance last night by a Charlotte Hornet. 51 points, five three-pointers. Fantastic performance that led to a win, except the Charlotte Hornet led the Greensboro Swarm to a win. It was Dwayne Bacon last night who was sent down to the Greensboro Swarm in their game against the Fort Wayne, best nickname in the world, Mad Ants. Dwayne Bacon will get to in the third segment. But let's start with what Mitch Kupchak had to say to the media. Again, on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, you can find me on Twitter at Walker Mail. You can find Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. The first thing that he says at the beginning of all of this, he discusses the salary cap space, and we've gotten to the salary cap space before. You know, Rick Bennell kind of transcribe some of the things that Mitch Kupchak had to say and the Hornets would have a minimum of 28 million dollars in cap space and it'll be so it'll be close to around 30. We've already discussed some of the things that the Hornets can do with the cap space even if it doesn't mean going after a free agent and making the Terry Rozier signing even though I don't hate that signing right and it seems like in hindsight it's been good. It doesn't mean that we have to throw 18 million a year at somebody once we get more money. He talks about Michael Jordan being on the same page. And I think that's important. And Michael Jordan has taken it on the chin as far as the criticism from these fans go. I'm not even saying not all of it's warranted. But you guys know my take on this. I've always thought that Michael Jordan probably got a little too much blame for the basketball decisions on this team. And he was asked about Michael. Mitch Kupchak said, quote, he's 100% on board with what we're doing. We made a decision to take a certain approach for this summer. And we knew that would lead to losing this year. There are no surprises. With our plan, it just takes time. You draft a kid who is 19 years old, and it's going to take two or three years for him to help us win. Also, we wanted to slowly dig our way out of some of the contracts we had. That takes a year or two. It seems like he's saying exactly what we want him to say. It doesn't seem like anybody is criticizing Mitch Kupchak for these comments. I saw on Twitter that people were angry about, or maybe not angry, but people were kind of pondering Mitch Kupchak discussing that Michael Jordan is on board he wants to win and if he's going to do something that helps them make a run in the playoffs then he'll do it but I took that in the context of later on and Mitch saying these things right that he's 100% on board with what they're doing and Mitch Kupchak has talked about it doesn't mean necessarily that they're going to spend a whole lot of money because they have a lot of cap space then Michael is on board with this rebuild Mitch Kupchak even uses the term rebuild in his comments which he had avoided like the plague which James Borrego avoided like the plague I remember going to that James Borrego luncheon at the Capitol Grill and it seemed like James Borrego was gonna beat us to death with the four pillars and that this is a quote-unquote transition period well thank God that James Borrego has gone away from most of that because I haven't heard four pillars in a long time and thank God for that I thought it was gonna be all season long but we've gone away from the four pillars And now it seems like we've gone away from transition. Straight up rebuild, man. We all knew what it was. 
And we knew they knew what it was. They just refused to call it that. But now I guess it's so flat out on the table that Mitch Kupchak finally gave in and said those words, said rebuild. But Michael Jordan's on board. And I think maybe some people were a little bit scared as to what he might do this offseason. We're going to be scared until the offseason is said and done with, until free agency is said and done with, until we actually tip off next season. We're going to be scared about what Michael might do. We're going to be scared about what Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets organization might do. But it seems like right now everything they're saying makes everybody happy, makes me happy, and they're on the same page in doing so. Another thing I wanted to address before we take our first break is Mitch Kupchak anticipating that they will keep the G League players, Kayla Martin and Jalen McDaniels, actually with the Charlotte Hornets for the rest of the season. Kupchak said, we, don't, we do have to get to 14 players. We might bring players up on a 10-day contract, and there's always the possibility for an end-of-season contract. Look for someone we can develop. But when talking about Jalen McDaniels and Caleb Martin, he said he expects them to be with Charlotte. So they are doing the thing we talked about on yesterday's podcast, right? They're just throwing a bunch of young players out there right now. They're seeing what sticks with intent, with helping them. It's not like they're going about this willy-nilly. And they're bringing some of the more talented guys that have showcased their skills in the G League. And now they're playing them in the NBA. And it's more beneficial to Jalen McDaniels and Kayla Martin right now in the eyes of Mitch Kupchak to continue to keep them with the Charlotte Hornets. I like all of this. I like some of the comments that Mitch Kupchak opened up with uh, some of these questions from the media. I, it, it makes a lot of sense. We'll get to the Dwayne Bacon performance and what that means for him, what that means for the Charlotte Hornets going towards the future. But Jalen McDaniels has showed you something, man. And it goes to that uncanny ability that Mitch Kupchak possesses in finding talent late in rounds. He had to adapt in the draft when you you have to adapt in the draft when you are in charge of the Lakers organization. When you have Shaq and Kobe on your team, you have to adapt to try to find other ways to bring in talented players. And it's funny because you would think Okay, the Hornets a very different situation than what L.A. is. L.A. big market, Charlotte small market. L.A. a championship contender, Hornets just fighting to get to the eighth seed. L.A. has a couple of stars, Charlotte only has one star, and certainly not even close to the magnitude of Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. There was a lot of differences when Mitch Kupchak took this job, and there's not a huge sample size to go off of with Mitch. I, I get that. We're going on couple years now right at the end of the season a couple of full seasons of basketball for Mitch but so far so good and these comments keep on rolling in that make all of us feel good but you know what makes us feel even better it can make you feel even better is if you try Queen City Beauty Group Queen City Beauty Group is a boutique spa with only custom services and every treatment is customized to the individual client's specific skin condition Owner-operator Nichelle Mosley is a 2018-2019 international award-winning aesthetician, and Nichelle specializes in treating diverse skin tones with life-changing results. They offer international award-winning treatments for acne, age management, hyperpigmentation, skin tags, sagging skin, fine lines and wrinkles, rosacea, sun damage, and body contouring. Book a Valentine special today. It's still going on. You can book it right now 
or someone you love for you. You can book it for you or someone you love. It doesn't really matter. It's for $79. It's a great special. It includes consultation and an amazing custom treatment with Nichelle Mosley at Queen City Beauty Group. It's a $50 gift certificate for a future visit as well, and you can re-gift that or you can use it yourself. Again, it doesn't matter. And a special gift from Queen City Beauty Group that is a value of $215. You get so much by just going to queencitybeautygroup.com to book the Valentine's special, and you can make sure you type in locked on in the comment section of the appointment form. Again, that's locked on. There's a space in between locked and on. Again, go to queencitybeautygroup.com. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more of Mitch Kupchak's comments and the Dwayne Bacon performance in the G League. It's all up on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Mitch Kupchak did speak on one individual player in his comments yesterday, and it was Malik Monk. It was interesting, his comments on Malik, because I think they were pretty enlightening. Just on the situation, really throughout the first three years of Malik's career. Mitch said, quote, the last 10 games, he's made a jump. He had a very rocky first year here under a different coach. Last year was kind of up and down for Malik. We were on him pretty hard. We challenged him. Players who feel good about themselves, they always push back a little bit. They have that confidence in themselves. And even the first part of this year, I think our coaches stuck with him, and then he didn't play at all. And that's a part of a young player growing up and developing. I didn't want to speak too soon, but it looks like he's really turned the corner over the last 10 to 15 games. Our coaches also have shown more confidence in him. I don't think there's any doubt that he's shown quite a bit the last 10 or 15 games. I also don't think that there's been any doubt that he's shown a lot more this season. The difference to me and Malik in the way that he played maybe his rookie year, right? right? Remember when the last couple of months or so, maybe it was just the last month of his rookie year that he really took a jump. Malik Monk started to play well, and it gave us something to hold on to heading into his second year. He didn't really change the way that he played, though. He still played the way that Malik Monk played coming out of college. He just was doing it better at that point. You know, the Hornets weren't going to make the playoffs at that point, so Malik Monk started to get a lot more run. But there's something fundamentally different about the way that Malik Monk is playing right now. And it's not just the way that he's been playing the last 10 to 15 games. Yes, he still qualifies as an inconsistent player. But Malik Monk has demonstrated larger margins of consistent play this entire season. And it hasn't just been the 10 to 15 games that he's performed, as Mitch Kupchak is alluding to here. It's been a while since Malik Monk has had a bad game. Or at least back-to-back bad games, for sure. And I just think the fundamental difference in the way that he plays the game really shows you something. We've talked with Rick about this. It just... He seems to get it more now. It doesn't mean that he's going to be this star. As much as I believe in Malik Monk, I mean, we all know how I feel about him. It doesn't mean that, but it means we can feel good about Malik. And Mitch Kupchak certainly is one of those guys that feels good about the way that he's been playing lately for sure. Uh, On his team's needs, Mitch Kupchak says, we're not great rim protectors. We've heard this quite a bit. Not great rim protectors and nobody's a great rebounder. We kind of rebound by committee. 
Maybe we need a wing that can score. So he gives you rebounding, rim protection, and kind of qualifies as a big guy. James Wiseman comes to mind. And then a wing that can score. We'll see who that is. Interesting. Anthony Edwards, probably depending on where the Hornets will select. But Anthony Edwards is that guy that I think most consider as the number one overall prospect, at least at this point. But those are a couple of the needs that Mitch Kupchak says uh, comes to his mind when considering the Charlotte Hornets. You look at his draft philosophy. We've talked a lot about his draft philosophy. At least we've talked a lot about his hits. He says, quote, we're going to take the best player, whether he's a guard or a big, and then we'll figure it out from there. Isn't that reminiscent of the way that he's handled the first two first rounds with P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges? Doesn't matter if they play the same position. Doesn't matter if they have a very similar body type. And you know what? I, I thought it was a redundant selection. I certainly criticized it at the time. And I criticized the Miles Bridges selection for sure. And I, I don't know how wrong I was on that yet. I mean, I, I think the reason I was so frustrated with the Miles Bridges decision was because I did not see a ceiling there. He's been playing a lot better lately. I hope I'm wrong. And we'll see if he can continue this. I just didn't see it then. And I, I just don't know what a ceiling is now. But P.J. Washington, I think I was completely wrong on. I, I think that guy is going to be a baller. I love P.J. Washington. And I did not at the time. But ever since he played that first game against the Chicago Bulls and hit seven threes and, cert and certainly has shown uh, very good, very good basketball skills out there in his rookie year, I'm all in on P.J. But to me, as far as these guys fitting on the court together, I actually am pretty hopeful that P.J. Washington can play the small ball five a little bit more than maybe Doug and others. I actually like P.J. Washington at that small ball five. We can remember some of the guards that have out-rebounded P.J. There are certainly some times where he needs to hone in on that. But I, I just believe in the natural ability of P.J. I believe that his body, if, if applied correctly, because he's not soft. It's one thing if he was soft. It's one thing if he just shies away from contact when little Isaiah Thomas comes in and gets a rebound. That's not it. He's just not paying attention. That can be coached. So I actually like P.J. Washington running small ball five. And can you imagine offensively, man? That's tough. That's really tough if you put him at the five, bringing in your Rudy Gobert's or your Joel Embiid's or bringing out those taller guys to defend on the perimeter. I actually really like that kind of lineup. Now, P.J. might struggle in guarding some guys on the perimeter as well, but offensively, I really like it. So maybe there is hope for those two guys to work together. It'll be interesting. Miles Bridges is a four. I think we've all gotten that. Talked about that at nauseum at this point. But having Miles post up a little bit more, we talked about the usage percentage. I actually kind of like P.J. Washington at the five a little bit more. So I'm more receptive, uh, receptive to that kind of style that Borrego might implement. So again, it goes to Mitch Kupchak saying, hey, it doesn't matter what the position of need is. We're going to go with the best player. I certainly think that's a smart strategy. Just another comment that I agree with. And then here's his comments on James Borrego. James Borrego has done a great job. He came here last year with a team we thought could make the playoffs, and I thought we could make the playoffs too, but we didn't make it. And then we had to buy into the process to rebuild. There's that word. A transition. He goes back to the other one. A transition because we had a lot of veterans. Clearly, we were transitioning from a veteran team to a young team, and I think it was hard for him. The vision that we could win a 40-game, make one trade, and then win maybe 46 or 48 in his first season, that was the vision, I should say. And then all of a sudden, you're on a team transitioning. But he gets to coach the way he wants to coach because you can mandate more with young guys. But when you're losing games, it's hard. 
You're looking for a silver lining, and it feels like the season will never end. His energy has always been off the charts. His directives, developing players, hasn't changed. And he's bought into our vision of what we're trying to do. Doug and I talked about James Borrego being able to appeal to the personality of his players. The fact that the veterans were the biggest advocates and they had playing time taken away from them. And I think that's kind of under the magnifying glass now, especially with the way that John Beeline flamed out in Cleveland. These players buy in and there is something to not just appeasing to the personalities because the way that you appease to the personalities with these players is you make sure you let them know, you know what the bleep you're doing. Cleveland didn't trust John Beeline. Doug brought up the practice where all they did was work on chess passes. Hey, what are they doing? Those guys didn't trust John Beeline out there on the court. You had Kevin Love throwing temper tantrums out there. Whether it was because of John Beeline, whether it was because Darius Garland won't throw him a pass, whether it's because of both. I mean, it was ugly right from the get-go. And you haven't had anything even remotely like that except maybe MKG, who was just frustrated. And if it's just MKG's frustration that shows up as the biggest blip on the radar as far as people questioning James Borrego, then that's just fine with me. I I like what Borrego has shown you this season. On the other side of the break, we will get to Dwayne Bacon's performance in the G League. He got sent down. How much of that is a bad thing? We talk about that in the final segment on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Hornets Twitter was in a little bit of a mini frenzy yesterday when the news broke that Dwayne Bacon would be sent down for a G League assignment just a day before the Charlotte Hornets go and play the Chicago Bulls in the first game post-All-Star break. And I was kind of with everyone. It kind of showed you what the Hornets think of Dwayne Bacon, at least right now, or at least so I thought. Dwayne Bacon had an excellent performance against the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Again, just a fantastic nickname. The best in the G League for my money. As I mentioned, Dwayne Bacon scored 51 points, set a franchise record, a Greensboro Swarm franchise record, had 10 rebounds, hit five three-pointers, was aggressive, had a couple of really nice baskets at the rim, had all of his Hornets teammates tweeting all sorts of videos about Dwayne Bacon, showing them all the support, clearly a tight-knit group, Devontae Graham, Billy Hernan Gomez, a couple guys giving him support, which is really cool. But Dwayne went down there and dominated. When Dwayne Bacon was sent down to the G League this time, I thought there's no way he finds the benefit in this. Because that's been the example, right? When we talk about sending guys down to the G League, talking with Dwayne Bacon and Devontae Graham at Media Day, they both clearly benefited from that at the end of last season. Dwayne Bacon talked about how much he liked it, that he wanted to go to the Greensboro Swarm and play. Devontae Graham Kind of tried to come around on it, but you know Devontae didn't love playing with the Greensboro Swarm. You know he didn't love it. Dwayne Bacon clearly did. We talked about this at the beginning of the season, even before it started, because of Dwayne Bacon's comments. Somebody that was here in Charlotte working extremely hard, constantly getting promoted by the Hornets' social media team because he was here, because he was around. 
James Borrego at the luncheon at the Capitol Grill said, if Dwayne Bacon is uh, Dwayne Bacon is going to be a big a part of this team if we move in the right direction. If we have any kind of success for what we are, I imagine Dwayne Bacon is going to be a big reason for that. There's no way that Dwayne Bacon could have gone from starting at the beginning of the season to me contemplating that he might actually be the team's leading scorer alongside Terry Rozier, having a preseason where he was the guy that was taking a lot of the shots. There's no way that he went from that to the G League. There's no way he saw the benefit in that. And then I saw Jack Duffy, who joined us a couple weeks back, did a great job. Jack Duffy of the Painted Lines say that he asked Dwayne Bacon about the G League stint and Dwayne told Jack, I asked to come down here a month ago. <laughs> I, it's crazy. Dwayne Bacon's crazy. I love that guy. I, God, I love that guy. The dude just wants to hoop. That's all he wants to do. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have dreams of playing in the NBA. It doesn't mean that he would choose the G League just as much as he would choose the NBA. It doesn't mean that at all. But what it means is if he's not playing in the NBA, then the dude wants to play Send Me to the Swarm. I freaking love that guy. It's been an interesting career for Dwayne Bacon when you look at it. How about a second-round pick, the Rich Cho parting gift, if you will. Steve Clifford starts the guy in his first-ever game. The guy's got the NBA body for sure, but Steve Clifford thought that he could put him out there and trust him more than the first-round pick Malik Monk. I think Nick Batum was hurt. So Dwayne Bacon goes out there and starts his first game. Not awful, considering he was a second-round pick that hadn't played in the NBA before. Then doesn't get any run. Kind of goes to the role that you would expect for a guy that came out of the second round. Then we go last year. Doesn't get a whole lot of run at the beginning. And then at the end is great. How about even the biggest play that we remember him for was the defensive strip on Bradley Beal when Beal went baseline. And hey, because of that, the Hornets win the game. And we know the kind of success that Bacon had at the end of the year last season. So already kind of a roller coaster type year. This offseason, we're ready to go. Dwayne Bacon's going to be a big part of this team. And boy, he is awful at the beginning of this season. By a lot of different metrics you look at, was the worst player in the NBA or one of the top five worst players in the NBA? There was no, there was no denying how bad Dwayne Bacon was. He was actively hurting them, actively driving to the rim, not passing the ball, not moving it, and missing at the rim, and not going to the free throw line and not playing good enough defense. I mean, Dwayne Bacon just won good. And so now I have to wonder if Dwayne Bacon has a future with this team. This is his contract year. Hornets certainly will have plenty of money to sign him, but you wonder if the Hornets even want to bring him back or if they want to try to go after other players, other younger players. Well, you got the Martin twins they might like a little bit more. We'll see what Caleb does down the stretch. Jalen McDaniel certainly has shown you some promise. Malik Monk was absolutely behind Dwayne Bacon at the beginning of the season. Malik has leapfrogged him by a significant amount. Cody Martin has leapfrogged Dwayne Bacon. I don't think you can say that about Jalen McDaniels for sure. We've only seen two games, but we have a positive thought about Jalen right now. Devontae, Miles, PJ, they're all above Dwayne Bacon. So when I put a list of all of the Hornets players... 
all of the young Hornets players, where does Dwayne Bacon fall on that list for you? Because to me, seventh, PJ, Miles, Devontae, Malik, Cody Martin. Would you go six or seven? I mean, it's tough. I want that guy to succeed so badly. I do. I freaking love that he just wants to go out there and play basketball. I hope that he can. And we've seen flashes from him. You know, there was I think there was a decent stretch in January that Dwayne Bacon played. I thought that we saw his passing improve quite a bit. I do think that. I thought he was the worst passer on the team. I don't know if I think that anymore. I guess I don't know who it would belong to, but I mean his he his passing has absolutely improved. And we'll see if the shot comes along. We'll see if the defense starts to get a lot better. The guy's just got to finish at the rim first and foremost, man. Your number one skill can't be getting to the rim and scoring and you're not scoring. It's like Malik Monk's biggest skill being his three-point shot and shooting 30% from three. Can't do that. Malik fundamentally changed the way that he played. Is there anything like that in Dwayne Bacon's bag? I'll be interested to see what Dwayne Bacon and his future with the Charlotte Hornets looks like going forward. That'll do it for the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure you follow us on Twitter again, at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH, and you can follow our show handle, at Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back with you tomorrow.